Hello there, and welcome to Pivotal Film. I'm Tom Nolan. And I'm Mario Ponzio, and this is still not episode 77. Or 76, what are we on? 76, I think? 76 will be next week. Yeah, we're, we're still in the midst of our, our list break, our time off from our lists, um, so we can kind of discuss this end of the year, of, you know, the almost the end of the award cycle. The transition to, to the new year. Yeah, um, and in that spirit, we're going to kind of tie a bow on little bit on 2018 by talking about the absolutely hilarious Oscar nominations that came out yeah. uh, on Monday or Tuesday and um, three movies that were on our radar for most of the year which we didn't get to see until later oh, in the hey, year Jordan we didn't Peele get to talk about again I didn't realize that for what he's a black Klansman producer that's, that's fun. pretty good huh. all right um, maybe he'll get another one we'll talk about that later um, so yeah, after we talk about movie of the bunch in the best picture category, <laughs> we're going to talk talk about um, you know Oscars, and then we'll talk about um, Beautiful Boy and Leave No Trace and the Sisters Brothers, which we both saw this week. Um, but before that, like always, we have to drink some beers. Uh, this is week over three. The over the hump, yeah. On the uh, MAD, Thimble uh, Island, good friends, mutually assured destruction. Are you feeling slightly destroyed yet? You think they're also feeling destroyed? I'm destroyed by the fact that they've not liked any of my posts. Come on, Dibble Island. <laughs> it's a, I don't know. A little sad. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't be so sad, but you think you're you think you're making a good choice by like posting pictures of the beer and like a hashtag Thimble Island or whatever, but no one's paying any attention. They're too good for it. They are too good for it, I think. I think that's what they're saying here. We're gonna have to switch to lesser beers. They're not too good for it. Um uh, it is an imp- Russian Imperial stout flavored with uh, lactose and sweet and sour cherries added. This is the cherry of the four-pack. It actually had a reddish hue coming out of the can. It does, yeah. Let's um, dink it. There is a lot of cherry there. Mm. This is the one that tastes the most like the flavor it tells you. Um, actually, I'm not getting anything else. I'm not even getting a, a Russian stout flavor. I'm just getting cherry. Just like Especially a, on that on the like on the cheer, end of it, it's like a cherry cola. On the end of it, it, it sure is. Yeah, um, it's okay. I think this is the most least good. You know what I don't like? It's got a burn to it. I don't get the first, burn. That first sip, it's, I'm getting like a burn in the back of my throat, and I'm not a, like a super big fan of it. I don't get too much of a burn with it, but this is definitely my least favorite one. Hmm. All right, I don't even really know if there's that much to say more to say about this. No. Next week might be more interesting. That's worth throwing up. Um, <laughs> all right, Oscars, Mario. Oscars, yeah. So um, do we need to go category by category and tell everyone no, what got nominated? Mean, if you're interested, just look up Oscars 2019 and you can see I, what's I can, nominated. I can tell that the best makeup and hairstyling nominees, I've only seen one of the movies, so good for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think, I don't I forgot Border came out. One I tried to look I for it. Because I was on the short list of foreign films. Yeah, and it, it came for like a week. And I was like, well, maybe go see that. And then I just didn't. So, I mean, we both regard these as a travesty. Well, um, for the most part, yeah. There's let's some talk about, okay Let's talk about the, the travestical, travestiable, travest... Travestical? Travestical. Despicable. Just despicable. <laughs> I'm trying to combine lots of different words together. What is the biggest... What are the, um, what's the most glaring omission for you? I mean, I know what mine is, and I'm assuming yours is the same thing. Oh, uh, Bradley Cooper for Best Director, I agree. 
You, oh yeah, you, you, yeah, we missed the boat on that one. We both turned our we both turned our corner on our opinion on that. Um, no, but Ethan Hawke, best actor. Yeah, it's, I really kind of thought. I mean, I'm happy Willem Dafoe is nominated for that. Um, but man, but it'd be great if Willem Dafoe and Ethan Hawke snuck in and knocked out Bradley Cooper and Rami Malek and Christian Bale doing an impersonation of of. But of those five Dick nominees, Cheney. by far Bradley Cooper's the weakest. So. Um, yeah, I think he's, I think he's, I mean, I think, so, like you said, Bradley Cooper didn't get nominated for director. No, not at all. And it didn't get nominated for editing. Um, I think that signals, for me anyway, a kind of change in direction for, like, the the supposed, um, way that these were going to go down. A star is born, much like many famous young starlets and stars, shone brightly very early. And burned out on a gutter in front of a bar in Beverly Hills. And then its younger brother became a much better actor. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. That was beautiful, man. Thank you. That was beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it's just. It's... We just got a lawsuit from River Phoenix. That's, that's fine. But Joaquin Phoenix is congratulating himself saying, yep. River Phoenix true. isn't going to be sending us a lot of lawsuits anytime <laughs> soon. Maybe Summer will do it on his behalf. Um,. Yeah, uh, and uh, what's so? Yeah, not get the a Star Wars. We're not getting nominated for uh, director and editing. Kind of signaled the signal the direction it was going. And then I noticed that uh, best supporting actress um, category included Marina de Taviria. Yeah, they they kind of from Roma, which was I think even more I think even more telling about the fate of a Star Wars born because they obviously. The Academy obviously loves Roma. The, the acting block wanted to throw every fucking thing at, at Roma. Uh-huh. Which, which, you know, it's kind of says a lot about what I think will happen with Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact that 35 of the last 36 winners of Best Picture have won a nomination for editing. I think this is going to be, you know, 36 of, well, 35 of 37. Oh, so you don't think this is going to win Best Picture? No, I think Roma will win Best Picture by far, just okay. because of the support of the act. Who knows what's going on with the editors over there? They're just like, Ugh. I mean, actually, I do, because that movie had a lot of fat to it. So, yeah, it was not well edited. In my what opinion. did, Roma? Roma, yeah. Um, but I, I think by far, that's, that's still the front runner. That it got kind of pushed in there. You know, like, there was some talk about um, Arpico, you know, Cleo, the actress that played Cleo. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is really nothing for Marina Tatarva. So the fact that they threw her in there kind of speaks volumes about how they feel about that film. Well, I, yeah, I, I agree. I and mean, I don't think she's going to win. But I think no. the fact that they're they're finding ways to give Roma more nominations is is a testament to how they must feel about this. Movie. Yeah, I would I would say it, or I would I'd still think it's the front runner favorite. Could also still be there. I think it's. I think it's a two horse race right now for a picture. For picture, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I kind of feel like, you know, shout out to JP. I mentioned this to him earlier. I feel like this might be a. I don't feel like it's going to be Black Klansman's year or anything that they're going to like. Black Klansman's going to run the table or anything like that. I would be surprised to see him take direct. No, actually, I kind of would be. I think Quaron's going to still win director. I think so too. But I wouldn't be shocked to see him win director. I think I mean, so. It's a, also weird that it's his first nomination for director. Well, yeah, I don't want to talk about Come that. Come on. I mean, I was, I was just reading a really long article in the New York Times by Wesley Morris about, you know, these kind of um, white, black, interracial movies where, you know, the 
and how Green Book and all this other stuff kind of upends that. Um, and the idea that um, Driving Miss Daisy won Best Picture like in 1990, um, and now it sounds like Green Book is is in the running for Best Picture. As inverse. You know, um, driving Miss Daisy. all these years later, we're still kind of dealing with the same thing. We're still kind of making the same movies. How does this, how does this keep happening? Um, and he kind of refers to do the right thing was up, you know, against um, driving Miss Daisy that same year. And so you have Green Book this year and you have another Spike Lee joint, oh, like right. kind of doing battle against each other. Um, Spike Lee will just really <laughs> kill one of the fairly. I've been listening to, I mean, uh, Green Book just won the PGA. Um, for Best Picture, which everyone says is a kind of, you know, oracle of things to come here. But, um, I don't know. I like the, I, I like the idea of Black Klansman kind of sneaking in here and, um, kind of being everyone's, cause I guess the, the balloting is that kind of, um, that favorite. Mm-hmm, you have to rank them. Ballot. I like the idea of Black Klansman having a lot of number threes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And kind of. Being the one that just keeps itself up there as everything kind of as falls Bradley off. As Bradley Cooper angrily puts Roma at nine or eight or whatever. <laughs> just to visit me Also, speaking up. of Green Book, uh, did you see who edited that film? I didn't even notice this was his name. It was Patrick J. Don Vito. That's the most perfect It's the most Green Book editor ever. For an editor in Green Book. Um, yeah. Maybe let's talk about some of these categories. Though, yeah. like what we feel is going to win. Um, obviously, we won't talk about what we feel is a glaring admissions because you just referred to last week. About what we think would be the glaring emissions. <laughs> um, so best editing, I guess we could start out with that. Uh, so you got Black Klansman, fucking Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, that what seems weird. Travesty. Uh, the favorite, Green Book and Vice, which is another, another I mean, travesty. I'm gonna go. Where's my? Where is it? I'm gonna go with a favorite I, I'm on this say one. Favorite as well. Just based on what's here. Yeah, Black Klansman could be the other one, I guess. Um, I don't see Vice or Bohemian Rhapsody being there, unless for some reason they go insane with Bohemian Rhapsody. But um, yeah, I would say I would say the favorite is the one that's the most likely of that bunch. I don't know why I don't have it on my thing. Well, that's why you need a computer in front of you. And I do have a computer, but I'm using it for recording. Well, that's why you need a second computer. I know we're gonna have to then when we move the studios out of the William Howard Taft. No, we're not in the Morbori Auditorium. Now we're just back in the studio. Oh, okay. Studio. We're just in the regular studio now. All right, we we can't it. afford to always rent that out. We own the tower, but we need <laughs> we need to get actual the beer budget. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. At, we have to rent it out. We rent it out to uh, bar mitzvah yep. for a seventy-year-old woman, which is interesting. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, I think Black Klansman's yeah, like you said, Black Klansman's the other one, but I think Black Klansman um, it doesn't do. I think I picked it for editing, but I think if based on the amount of nominations that the favorite has, I assume the favorite's probably going to drag this yeah. home with it. Um, we only have to talk about visual effects. It's a travesty that they decided that Solo was going to get in instead of Annihilation and Ready Player One. A Ready Player One, I'm okay with because the 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 visual effects in that were were solid at least. The yeah, visual effects in Solo are they're boring. terrible, but they're bad. Ready Player One is ridiculous. It's ridiculous, but it's but I think still they just, seamless. I mean, this is where I think the Academy Awards stinks, in the sense that like a Steven Spielberg-directed film has to be nominated for something every year, regardless of what it is. It's kind of like how it's Meryl Streep has be in to be. Yeah, be anytime Meryl Streep makes a movie, she's got to get nominated. So you get... They're, they were really close to giving her like uh, Olivia Colman's spot somehow, or <laughs> Mamma Mia 2. 
No, they just put Meryl Streep the favorite. That was her, wasn't it? Yeah. People were just like, ah, I guess they need Olivia Colman. Meryl Streep, can you ever forgive me? There's no way Melissa McCarthy could be that good. Um, I don't think we care about best makeup, costume design, uh, production design. No, production design is an okay category overall for the nominations. You got Roma, Mary Poppins Returns, First Man, Favorite, and Black Panther. I'm not upset with anything there. No, I mean, I'm usually pretty upset about something in production design. What's that going to be? That's going to be a Roma, the favorite one, right? It's one of those is going to win that. I award. could see that. I could see them tossing that to Black Panther. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Actually, actually, I'm leaning towards Black Panther winning that one because I don't think Black Panther is going to be winning much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they'll want to give it a couple. Uh, I mean, it didn't get it didn't even get into visual effects, which makes sense because Avengers. Because of the one spaceship shot in the beginning. Yeah, better. Um, there was just some shoddy special effects like the spaceship shot in the whole beginning <laughs> <laughs> i mean the fight scene the fight scene's horrendous the, the final fight in black panther it looks just terrible oh, which, well which part which part of that half hour final fight that sta- was staged on multiple fronts are you referring to mario doesn't mean at all um cinematography the one thing i really love about this is the three nominees being foreign films mm. I and mean, that's that's a nice kind of transition to realizing that you know a lot of foreign Films are, are better. Well, what do you think about this then? I don't. I can't have an opinion yet. Really, I mean, *Stars Born*. A lot of people are arguing that Matthew Labatik had a, had a big hand in the direction of that film. There's huh. a lot of these kind of like comments about that. Uh huh. Um, so I could see him. The reason why he got in there. There's some good shots. I mean, it looks good. It, it looks, looks good, nice. and I love him. Um, um, but I don't. I mean. And Roma and the favorite, you know, we have our problems with Roma in terms of a cinematography standpoint. But what do we, we look? look for in cinematography? Right. But it was expected. I'm assuming that Roma is going to win this award. Oh yeah, no. you know what I mean. Roma's I mean, not that's not why win. it's nominated for everything else yeah. is because of its cinematography. Um, you know, Cold War and Never Look Away. Still haven't seen him. Cold War comes out tomorrow finally in New Haven. I know. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, best sound mixing. Who cares? Best mm-hmm. sound editing. Who cares? Yep. Sorry guys. Uh, best original score. Ugh. I mean, I'm going Bye. with. I, I mean. What do we want to say here? Um, I think Bretel's going to... I would like Bretel to win. I don't know if he's going to win. I think I think he will. I actually do think if Bill Street will take this one. That would be good. Because it's got the most comments, and it's the one nominee that's kind of like had... It and Isle of Dogs that were the only two movies that had mm-hmm. an original score conversation going into this. Well, everyone, um, whenever anyone talks about the score in If Bill Street Could Talk, they put a adverb or an adjective in front of it. Like it's his amazing score, his, you know, beautiful score, his whatever score. His original score. His his original score. Um, Yeah, so I'm assuming it'll be. I think it or I'll be that. Really, Uh, but the Academy doesn't really like Wes Anderson and just plot one last year. Like they give him two in a row. I'm literally just saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What could play spoiler? Um, also, Black Plansman. I don't really remember that score. That's I don't a, remember it having yeah. any music other than like, like the scenes a, that had music that's in such it. Such a nomination for like, oh, we need to nominate it for something else. Yeah, maybe. Uh, original song. Who fucking cares? Shallow's gonna win. Um, that's such a <laughs> that is such a fucking awful category, though. Man, did they pick all the wrong ones? I think yeah. only when a cowboy trades his spurs for wings and shallow are the only two that really have any place being there. But. Original song's always fucking hot garbage. <laughs> that All the people that, that vote on original song, like, probably should not be allowed to speak anymore. Well, the one year... In the, general. I just mean, like, literally not allowed to speak. The one year they did the right thing was the year once one, when Glenn Hansard yeah. and Marquette Irglova won for Falling Slowly. But that... 
you really kind of couldn't pick anything else because once made a lot of money for the kind of movie that it was and got a lot of press for the kind of movie that it was based 100% on that song's inclusion in it. Um, yeah, but most of the time they do everything wrong with best songs. No. So. Animated short film. I'm not too displeased with this. Um, I, I, the least, I, I'm not a fan of Bal being in there really, but it's going to be in there. Um, I but, would have preferred to see, uh, you know, the Age of Sail in mm-hmm. there. Um, late afternoon was kind of that was blase. a surprise. Yeah, Animal Behavior was the most predictable nominee in the world. I well, think. I think Bow Animal Behavior and Weekends are obvious. It was yeah. what they one did. small step, I think too. I think Late Afternoons is the only Late one Afternoons is the weird one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really thought that um, Age of Sail was going to get in there instead mm-hmm. of Late Afternoon, but I could see why Late Afternoon got in there because like that weird emotional punch for all the old white people. <laughs> You know, who are still voting. Live action short film. Yeah, I was really give a shit about that. The only thing I know is that there's a lot of controversy with detainment, you know, about the murder of James Bolger. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's killed. He was like three years old, mm-hmm. killed, like basically beaten to death and bludgeoned um, and, uh, you know, left on a rail. And I guess hmm. the makers of the film didn't even communicate with, with the mother. So. Mm-hmm. Bit of controversy there. Always good to have controversy in the category that's done garbage forever. It's always just kind of <laughs> most of the live action short films just don't never do anything for me. The last live action short film I really loved was Six Shooter. Yeah, I didn't even see that. Um, I mean, I don't unless Criterion gets them at a time when like they usually get a block. Yeah, I figured they'll get a block. Um, and I've seen a couple of years, but I didn't see the Six Shooter year. Um, I don't. Yeah, so I have no opinion on this one either. Do you know where we talked about the the biggest travesty being Ethan Hawke being excluded? Sure. I had prepared myself for that. Okay. The people who do best documentary feature really yeah. need what happened here? to get the fuck over the front their hatred of the front runner. This keeps happening, and I don't have the example off the top of my head, but it's so prevalent that they <laughs> see a front runner and go, "No boy, this is not going to happen." And won't you be my neighbor? Unless you, unless what you perceive as a front runner is not the real front no, runner. Unless it, minding the gap was the front runner the whole time. I don't. I don't think minding the gap's gonna win. It's you think I RBG's think gonna win? No, free, no, I think Free Solo's gonna win. Really? Uh-huh. I don't know. I we could talk about this. Is maybe a bigger. This is maybe a bigger conversation that we want to have. I feel like it's something that we've. Oh man, somebody's really upset about about that about Free Solo potentially winning. <laughs> Or having a conversation about free solo. Um, this may be a big conversation we want to have, and I feel like we've had like it slightly, you know, depending on what kind of movie we're talking about. I feel like they can't, or maybe they can, and I just join the rest of the liberal elites in the media who think that people can't do stuff. Where can they actually give free solo an award? Over, I mean, I don't know what of Fathers and Sons is. I mean, yeah, maybe I, that makes us a bad podcast that we've well, <laughs> never we saw, even heard of this movie. I mean, I'd seen all four of the nominees, which is actually a first, except for of Fathers and Sons, which I had never really even heard of and yeah. never even registered on me because it just wasn't in any sort of conversation. I mean, Hale, so Hale County is um, got no dialogue. It's got no anything. It's just, you know. Yeah. Pictures, you know, you know just it's, it's video. It's pretty great. I think I like Hale County I a do, lot. I love it, yeah. Um, RBG did nothing for me. Minding the Gap does nothing for me. And RBG wasn't even on my... Uh, and maybe R- Free Solo is like me personally. Yeah. Hoping. Um, can they... In this in this year, in, in a year like this, are they going to give a documentary to a, 
they, are they going to give an Academy Award to a movie about a mountain climber versus, you know, one of these other movies that tackles, you know, current cultural themes that were like the media is just so obsessed with? I don't. I don't think the people in the documentary category. You don't think they care? care? Yeah, I think those those people are just renegades. Documentary feature is usually a weird one. For yeah, um, I just, which is fine. I mean, I, I'm I'm hoping to see Free Solo soon, um, but. I mean, I personally think Mining the Gap is going to get this um, because I think it's ground, a little bit groundbreaking in, in a way. And um, Bing Liu's been kind of all over the place, um, and it's gotten um, it's won a lot of awards already. And he's yeah, it and Free Solo are definitely the two big. Players. I think so too. I think RBG. I'm not actually sure what RBG is doing here. I mean, I thought it was going to get nominated. You know. did, did you? They're I probably hoping of... they're probably hoping Ruth Bader Ginsburg will come. Well, here, I mean, my problem with RBG is that it came out. Early, it came out so early before a lot of people had seen some of these other documentaries, and so it got a lot of attention for being about who it is and being relatively well made. And then really well made documentaries just kept coming out. Well, so that- even like something that is not here is um, you know uh, Robert Wiseman's Monrovia, Indiana. You know everyone says is like a huge documentary. It's like a documentary event, and it doesn't show up here, but RBG does. Well, the thing I find really funny is a lot of people coming out. And anger, not only about Won't You Be My Neighbor, but three identical strangers coming out, not realizing how ostensibly and objectively awful three identical strangers well, is. So this is another thing about the Academy. I'm actually, I, I'm, I'm okay with Won't You Be My Neighbor not being nominated. Because three identical strangers, strangers yeah. is I kind of agree with you. Um, but that's something about, like, the Academy Awards sometimes also recognizes that things stink, where, like, other people don't, and then there's, like, no, it stinks. Yeah, and I... I have a problem with Won't You Be My Neighbor not being here, but overall, this isn't. A, this is a pretty decent list. I mean, I well, wasn't was a, a fan lot of, of Mike Yeah, it was one of the strongest years for documentaries. Yeah, um, but like they didn't put the bad ones in here. So right, but they didn't. They didn't put. The, they didn't put, schma- they didn't put the your favorite best. or my favorite they on did, this list. No, Free Solo won my best documentary. Oh, that's right. Yeah, mine didn't get it. Speaking of favorites. I think we can both agree that animated feature has a front runner now. I know you think I, you might still think Incredibles two, but I think it's, oh, it's Spider Man. I don't think it's you think Incredibles two. Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Yeah. yeah, I don't see <laughs> it losing now. I mean, there are. I mean, so there are several locks on this list. You know what I mean? Um, in various categories of importance, um, animated feature isn't even really. Um, a question yeah. anymore. I mean, I think that's the most excited I am for a win. Right I mean, now. I'm pretty sure whoever's going to give out that award is just going to walk up on the stage and not say the witty banter that's been written for them and just say Christopher Miller and Phil Lord. Spread him into the Spider Verse. Christopher Miller and Phil Lord are actually just going to present that. Yeah. yeah. It's oh, gonna, it's, it's us. us. Yeah. Weird. The nominees are, doesn't matter. They save some money. Yeah. They don't have to give a gift basket to those people because <laughs> they get an Oscar instead. They just call everyone up and go, guys, don't come. Brad Bird will still come. Hoping he can like knock out Christopher McQuarrie for the next, you know, Mission Impossible movie. But. Can I do the next one? Do you guys want Tomorrowland? Well, two? they just what? They just locked up the next three Mission Impossibles, right? He's, he's There's just the two. two. Uh, nice. Best foreign. Speaking of locks, best foreign language film. You I don't know, know if this. I'm not, I'm not sure this is a lock, Me Mario. Me too. Because Pan's Labyrinth losing to Lives of Others, which, you know, in retrospect, a lot of people were surprised that year. But those movies are both those are good movies. Yeah, equally really great. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Roma somehow lose this. I, well, so I'm thinking... I'm still going for Roma, 
But I wouldn't be surprised to see Cold War shoplifters take this. I wouldn't be surprised to see Cold War win this thing because it's getting, um, you know, it's got the best cinematography nomination. It's got a best, best director. director. Yeah. Um, people going in knowing that Rome is their number one movie and giving Cold War this one. Yeah. Would not surprise me at all. No. Uh, especially if especially if it's trending that Roma's going to win. What the hell? Oh, Jack London. Okay. I was like, why is there a picture of Jack, Jack London? Jack London died? <gasps> I just like how it says based on a short story by Jack London for Battle of the Buster Scruggs. Um, yeah, no. Especially if it's looking like Roma's going to take a picture. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised to see somebody get, you know, well, Cold War I mean, get thrown so above. That's, that's where this, you know... Um, also, South Korea continues its tradition of just yeah, What being the hell bored. is that about? I mean, we didn't see Burning... <laughs> But pretty much everyone said it was, you know, one of the best movies of the... It was on almost every top ten list I read. That and Roma were on almost universally, like, acclaimed. But, but then again, had, Ethan Hawke was almost one of all the, the best Academy, actors. Yeah. The Academy does, you know, love Lauren Vandersmark. I mean, hell, wouldn't be surprised if he won. You know why? He directed Lives of Others. <laughs> there you go. And The Tourist. Well, Remember when The Tourist won Best Picture Musical Comedy? Yeah, well, it was nominated. Was it nominated? No, it didn't win. It didn't right? win. It was nominated. Yeah, it was nominated. People are like, We've what? talked about this already. Why? Why was this nominated? We've um, talked about that when we talked about why the Golden Globes are meaningless. A regional screenplay. I'm going to be crazy here. I think Paul Schrader is going to win. I think he's going to get it, too. Yeah. With this list of people, I think he's going to get it. Because I don't and think... Then he's going to go up there and be like, go fuck yourselves. I don't think they're going to give it to the Green Book guy. Or he's going gonna, gonna to open up his shirt, and it's just going to be wrapped in Oscars. Oscars he just stole. <laughs> Bobby De Niro, let me borrow these. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think they're going to give it to the favorite. I don't <laughs> think they're going to give it to the Green Book guy. I don't think Roma and Vice do enough from like a, a writing standpoint to, to get original my screenplay. Thing, my thing is, though, I could see fucking Vice taking They're going to give Adam McKay two Oscars? Yeah, I know. I don't think so. But man, Bradley Cooper has like seven nominations now overall. But he's got no wins, so who cares? Mario. I know, I know, but oh man. All right. I, I think First Reform takes this. I think Vice are the favorite Ken player. I there. think First Reform takes it. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I think First Reform takes it because there was a lot of backlash against Ethan Hawke not getting nominated. I think once Paul Schrader wins, he should just hand the Oscar to, to Ethan To Hawk. Kevin Spacey. Or they just cut it in half. Yeah, I he did. probably would do that. I booked Kevin Spacey and Louis C.K. for my next movie. <laughs> it's going to be good. Uh, best Supporting Actress. I'm going to say Regina King wins this. Um, yeah. Um, I don't see Amy Adams playing the spoiler. Like no, Regina King's she doesn't, she doesn't. She's not yet due, considered even due, really. Um, well, she is due, but she, not for this movie. Not for this movie. Um, Best Supporting Actor. Ah, oh, man. Did you want to do Adapted Screenplay? Oh, right. I already did. Okay, we'll do Best Supporting Actor, then we'll go back to okay. that to screenplay. Um, this is a tough one, Mario. This is a tough one. I could see everyone not named Sam Rockwell winning this. Oh, I don't think Adam Driver's going to... I don't think Adam Driver's I could see it. Adam Driver playing weird spoiler. Oh, I, I think I'm Sam, saying I wouldn't I, be surprised by anyone but so Sam Rockwell. I think this... I, so I'm, my leaning, heart, I'm leaning towards Richard E. Garrett winning this. Right. That's, so I've got two hearts, apparently. Because my heart oh, says... Oh, you're a Time Lord. Yeah. <laughs> my heart says Richard E. Grant's going to win it. Because um, the movie only got two, three nominations. Um, but people really like this. And he's won a bunch of these awards. Yeah, he how'd won... that miss out in picture? I don't That's know. Such a fucking shame. Um, but my other heart says Mahershala Ali's going to get it. 
because he was really good, and he's also he's won more recently. And the bile that's spilling out of your spleen right now says that Sam Elliott's going to get it. So when I say so, I'm saying that Adam Driver and Sam Rockwell are out, and that Sam Elliott is, would be the spoiler. Where Richard E. Grant and Mahershala Ali kind of split, and Sam Elliott comes out like the percentage point victor of this movie. And Bradley Cooper wets himself standing up to give him a kiss on the cheek or something. You know what I mean? Because that was a win for literally anybody in this. Especially especially if this is the first like award <laughs> given out. What's happening to our podcast? We're literally turning into the podcast that just hates <laughs> Star, Wars. Star Wars Born like, as a profession. <laughs> we should just That's rename all our we podcast. do here. I think... We're almost done with the Star is Born conversation, I think. I think after this week, we'll be all done a Star is Born. Um, unless it wins. I, I think the Oscar post. No, because if it wins, we're not doing a podcast anymore. <laughs> we're just actually <laughs> going it's to... It's all done. Just burn ourselves. We'll, um, we'll emulate a part of our body. Yeah. Um, that's, a, that's a fucking promise. Um, I said, that's why I said a part. I so didn't say which part. I think... Uh, but especially if this is the first award given out and oh, Sam Elliott wins one. it. Yeah. I mean, that'd be kind of funny. That's going to set a bad tone. But that'd be kind of funny if it then proceeds to win nothing else because you know, like, Bradley Cooper gets super stoked. Also, we're just shitting on Bradley Cooper a lot. I just He was great in The Mule. Did you see The Mule? No. No, I didn't. Okay. Um, <laughs> All right, adapted screenplay. Yeah, adapted screenplay. Uh, I think Beale Street. I'm going to go with I think Beale Street, Street or, too. or Black Clan. Black Clan's been being the other one. The um, only reason I think Beale Street is because there's a... Um, I do like how they're... <laughs> it's just Barry Jenkins, so they get to, you know... This movie didn't get nominated. It only got the two nominations, or three nominations. Um, and everyone's kind of making a big deal about the fact that it didn't get more. I think this is the most... Besides Can You Ever Forgive Me, which I would hope would play the spoiler here. This would be, be a second one, right? He won for... He won for Moonlight, yeah. He won screenplay for Moonlight. Um, I think Can You Ever Forgive Me plays spoiler. Um, but I think... Over Beale's, Black Klansman? I think so. Okay. Because I think... I think um, like, oh, Nicole Hall of Centers never nominated her. We should. Um, I think they both deserve to win. Um, and all, and three of these were on my list of best adapted screenplay. Um, I do like how Ballad of Buster Scruggs just stuck in there because, like, we got to nominate Coen Brothers for screenplay or something. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Um, that's not a bad. Movie. But I think Beale Street's. I think Beale Street deserves to win this award. I think Can You Ever Forgive Me deserves to win this award. Um, and I think one of them, Beale Street. More likely than the other was honestly. Do it. I'd be okay with any four of Black Clansman winning, winning two. Paladin Buster Scruggs. The only reason I wouldn't be okay with it is because it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense, but I just would be fine with it. Whatever. Uh, best actress. I'm gonna say Coleman upsets close here. Um, I'm gonna go with close. Yeah, it's only because two. it's or they split. Like, two people radically on different sides. They all vote close first and Coleman last, mm-hmm. and then they all vote. You know, close first, and then like they all put Melissa McCarthy like second, and Melissa McCarthy just walks up because yeah. you know she should win. It's possible. It's possible, Mario. But no, I, I'm gonna say. Do you think? I'm gonna say Coleman because it's takes it. It's a because that's her movie. More in, yeah, I was gonna say it's a it's her it's, movie, and like th- that like that movie doesn't work. I mean, even though Emma Stone and Rachel Wise got nominated, that movie doesn't work without her performance. Yeah, without the nature, especially without like the nature of 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 the performance you know what i mean it's it's kooky but also really sad yeah simultaneously which is i think a really hard thing to do to be funny and 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 you know um believably sad 
But I think I think Glenn Close is going to win because I don't think these people have enough imagination to appreciate Olivia Colman. Glenn Close is good in the life. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's not my. I mean, she didn't make my nominations, but she was in my top ten. It got re-released at Criterion. It's coming back next week. So there you go. Best actor, William Defoe should win. He's not going to. No. Um, I think Christian Bale is going to win. I think this is another pretty much objective lock. Really? I think so. Rami Malek. I don't think so. I think Rami Malek's going to win it. I don't think he is. I don't I, think. They, I think. I think they. they I don't I think, think the they voters, like this movie that much. I think. I know. I don't think so either. I think they hate this movie, but they're like, we nominated this movie for best picture. This movie somehow got a fucking best editing nomination, and they're going to be like, oh, it's all because of this guy. And that way, they could look back in the years to the, in the future and be like, it's because of Rami Malek. I don't know. But I think the only reason is because I don't think you don't actually see. You've seen a lot of people say Christian Bale is un, this is unbelievable. You say. It's not, you see though. people it's like say Rami like, Malek is is fine. I haven't seen that. I've seen people say the only thing worth watching in Bohemian Rhapsody is Rami Malek. I and, haven't um, seen that at all. I've, I've seen, seen, I've seen that he's okay. I've seen a lot of people say. I've seen a lot of critical analysis. Well, we differ that. on this one, Mario. I think yeah. I think Christian Bale has this kind of sewn up. And that, like, I'm okay with th- four of the nominees. I mean, I'm not a fan of Christian Bale winning, but I think he's good in it. I just think that movie's garbage. You know what is really kind of... Been that movie is fucking awful, by Oh, it's terrible. Did you watch it finally? Yeah. Oh, did you watch it before, it before the thing? Yeah. Okay. That's, um, it didn't pop up anything. Because I, I hated it. It's terrible. Much. It has good performances. Yeah, I mean, I think Steve Carell is amazing in it. Yeah, it's unfortunate that Steve Carell didn't get the nomination there. I think so, too. And he was on my kind of long list of people that I was thinking about nominating for a supporting actor on my thing. Um, yeah, I, I, he was. he would have been if I didn't. A, like so vehemently hate that movie. Like I hate that movie. It's awful. I hate, I hate that movie so much that I don't want to talk about it. Well, you know what's so weird is that like, I, got an it, I hate award. that movie much. Like re shit on Star is Born, but Star is Born was just kind of like a bad experience. Vice was was miserable for me. It was a miserable fucking experience. I think we should. I on hate the, I think that if we should on like a... fillet themselves. Yeah. That movie oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So vehemently self. And I think that's. I think we both acknowledge that. A Star Is Born was an honest, sh- an honest shot. As much as we shit on Star Is Born, it's just it's more. I, I I don't think if it came out of the gate as hot as it did, we would have, we would have been more forgetting it. <laughs> well, I think, and, and it, also I think just the the fact that Bradley Cooper just has had this terrible campaign for it, like oh losing his shit over it, so it kind of makes it kind of fun to shit on it. Well, that's, but it's, it's it's like it doesn't even show up in my bottom ten. I don't think of what the, Star Is Born. I mean, it's I, I don't I don't like it I like I don't like it for a lot of the reasons that I I don't know it misses a lot of it misses everything that I want out of a movie anything that I do like about it I don't like enough for it to matter to me yeah, Vice the, is an objectionable piece of filmmaking yeah um on Vice I many think many levels Vice I almost think does some damage to the point it was trying to make what's but that's I mean so you would have to answer first Mario what the fuck is the point that it's trying to make. That we all did a bad job by not noticing that, you know, Dick Cheney was out there lurking in the weeds because we were dancing. We're, we were <laughs> like, dancing weirdly. It's like, it's like, no, everyone everyone knew this. And that's, you know, the big short works to an extent. I, I hate the big short, too. but um, I like the big short. I, don't, I do not like the big short. The big short works because it's something that very was clearly happening that a lot of people missed. People yes. in the time did not miss the fact that Dick Cheney was awful. It's just, you know... He was there, and people were stuck with him. Well, that's it's gonna be. It's gonna be like in ten years if he makes a movie going, guys. Donald Trump was pretty bad, huh? Or, yeah. No, he'll do it a little less. He'll be like Mike Pence was a 
was a real homophobe. Huh, guys? <laughs> and people will be like, oh, Christian Bale does a great Mike Pence. Christian Bale really nails that Mike Pence, his Mike Pence-ness. I mean, Steve Carell's a great Steve Mimic. I told you, I, I, you know, I had this actually. Co- you know what? I can see that. That'd, that'd Steve be all right. Steve Carell could do it. Steve Carell could do anything except play. Can um, he do an Elaine Chow? Oh man, that'd be good too. <laughs> Steve Carell's <laughs> Elaine Chow. That would be um, awesome. And and um, fucking we get, ben we get Carson. We get Melissa McCarthy as a, uh, you know, Mitch McConnell. Not Sean Spicer. No. She's already done that. Oh, yeah. You gotta change it up. All right, um, but, but yeah, um, maybe it's just maybe maybe Christian Bale is the front runner, and I'm just wrong here. But fuck, man, I just don't want to see that movie getting. I want to see that movie. Oh, just, so I want to see that movie burn out more badly than. Spotlight well, you, it's did. one of those things that you want to see. And see, it's, it's going to happen extremely loud and incredibly close. Um, though that's fine. That's a terrible movie. But we're gonna. Um, I think it's something that's going to happen. And that's a terrible book also. I'm, I'm Never anti-Jonathan Safran for as a writer. But that's a different conversation. Um, I think one of the things that's going to happen with Vice is that post... Say Christian Bale doesn't win. I think post-Academy Awards, people are going to be like... There's going to be a lot of, holy shit, Vice is a terrible movie. There's going to be I a will, lot of those. Things. I will say this is the one category where if my pick, my favorite, wins it, I will... Even if... Vice wins Best Picture, I'll be like, well, this is a decent Academy Awards. If William Defoe somehow wins, I will just be like, you know what? Good Oscar year. Yeah, Fucking maybe. Poor Defoe, man. He got nominated. He's going he's gonna to win sometime, right? He's getting nominated every year now. He's That's gonna, two in a row. I mean, he's going to win at some point, right? They're going to owe him something. I mean, they, they've owed him for decades. No, but it's different because like it was, it's so many years between things, and he's not super old I mean, he should have got yet. supporting actor for, like, he, he didn't get supporting for Mississippi Burning, did he? Did he win it? No, he hasn't won an Academy Award. No, he didn't, get, he didn't get a nomination. Oh, I think he might have. Maybe. We both have computers in front of us. We could look if we wanted to, and we have phones. Uh, I, yeah. We're not looking. We're not doing that. All right, uh, what's director? Director, uh, director I, like I said, I'm, I'm leaning towards um, Spike Lee taking that one. Yeah, I'm... No, no, sorry. I'm, I'm leaning towards Alfonso Cuaron, but Spike Lee being the spoiler. I think so, too. I think I agree um, with you 100%. There's really... I don't actually think that there's another choice here that makes any sense. Yeah, I, I, I got... Cuaron, he did not get nominated for Mississippi Burning. He's been nominated four times, though. He got nominated for Last Temptation of Christ. Nope. He didn't? Platoon, Shadow the Vampire, The oh, Florida yeah. Project, and Attorney's Game. That's it? Yeah. I thought he did get nominated for... His... Last Station of Christ. Nope. Weird. Um, I did look it up, too. Yeah, no, I, I'm going to say Queron wins this and Spike Lee being in the background. Yeah. There. But um, I think it's interesting that Yorgos Lanthimos making, like, three Academy-worthy films in a row, they finally have just like, yeah, fine. Best director. He got a he got a screenplay nomination for Lobster, correct? Yeah. Yeah. But, like, in The Killing of a Sacred Deer, like, got kind of left off. But acknowledge that it was a major movie, and now they're just kind of like, yeah, you're fine. You're here now. You yeah. know, you can... You can Panos Cosmatos' time is coming. Fingers crossed. Mandy, too. Yeah. That's why the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards are actually better this year. They actually gave him, like, they gave that all the nominations. It's like, you know what? Fangoria Chainsaw Awards. There's a chainsaw fight! Of course they're going to give it all the nominations. <laughs> uh, picture? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say Roma wins this year. Um, but man... Holy shit, this is a bad year. Just looking at these nominees, I'm just like, oh. I like... Well, Mario, we got none of movies. them. 
None of our mo- our top ten showed up in this list. Not one. Yeah. I mean, it's not surprising. Can you well? Can you ever forgive me not showing up? Is surprising. I think that's. And I'm going to be honest with you. I really thought there was going to be strange. nine nominees, and I thought, "Can you ever forgive me?" Was going to be like me too. Was going to be the serious man nomination. That's. I thought it was a very odd. Or the spotlight nomination. Choice. So put spotlight one, and spotlight was a good movie. I don't know it's if it's agreed. worthy of a best picture, but it's a it's a fine workman like good movie. Yeah, it's workman. It's got it's a good fine. Billy Crudup performance, which is always is it, a positive. Is it? Is it as good as Mission Impossible Three? Yes. I don't know, man. Um, he wears a suit and looks askance a lot of times yeah, in lobbies of, of of business complexes. And there's there's a real backlash against Black Panther being in here, which I I, I don't find think there is. There there's there's been where some, I didn't see it. There's been some talk, not not heavy talk, but who talked? You tell me their names, Mario. Let's call what's, them what's out funny, now. What's funny is like they is go the to let's that, call them out like they go to the, they go to Covington Catholic School, what's Kentucky. <laughs> What's funny is this is uh, Black Panther is probably my third favorite on this list. Yeah, me too. That's not supposed to happen. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, my wife I mean, was like, like, "Oh, what did you think of these movies?" And I was like, "I liked two of them, and I kind of liked one of one other one." End yeah, of, I enjoyed Black Panther. I, Roma, I'm perfectly fine with winning. Roma, I'm willing to absolutely accept. It's just not a movie for me. Yeah. Um, I'm okay with Roma. Why not? I understand yeah, no, what it, I understand yeah. what it is. Yeah, I know what it's doing. It's it doesn't do at all what I what I look for. No, in film. but it's but I'm never gonna like we, we talked about that. We're never gonna we told people to go see well, to watch Roma because it's just not for us. Mm-hmm. If you agree with all of our tastes, you're not gonna like Roma. Uh, if you disagree with all of our tastes, but you probably do, you might Maybe like, like Roma. Roma. Um, all right, but yeah, I'd, I'd say Roma wins, and I think Black, Black Clansman's been plays the dark horse, yeah. and then maybe. I don't know. I don't know what the third one is. I think at this point, I don't think then, Green Book's in this conversation. People, I think like, it's. I think it's got like, got the PGA, but I just. Well, there's a lot of talk that it's gonna that you're getting a lot of Green Book votes, and we should probably wrap this up soon. We're getting a lot of Green Book votes in the sense that um, old Hollywood people that really like Green Book because it it plays to a lot of old Hollywood conventions are voting for it to kind of buck the idea that they're not allowed to vote for it because of its, you know, racial insensitivities or factual errors or whatever. Um, so they're, it's like a protest against a kind of PC culture that they are resistant to. But it would be it would be funny if Black Klansman won, just because it would give Jordan Peele a second Oscar and Jason Blum an Oscar. Oh, my God. <laughs> For being just a shitty human being. But Black I mean, if Black Klansman won... So here's the thing. I mean, we could wrap up on this. If Black Klansman won, I think it would do the thing that the Academy got wrong last year by not letting Get Out win. In the sense that we are in a specific cultural moment. If you're not going to award the best picture, which they almost never do, then I think you need to pick the most culturally significant movie, which helps us reestablish. So everyone's talking about what can the Academy Awards to do to kind of reestablish their relevance. By ignoring widely acclaimed huge box office culturally significant movies so that you can give shape of water everything um you're making yourself seem out of touch and not worthy of anybody's time you know what i mean yeah but by stepping back by all of these people stepping back and saying like <clears throat> you know roma's a great fucking movie alfonso Cuarón can have director he can have all these technical things but black panther speaks to a what is happening in two that spoke directly to what was happening in the culture in 2018. It makes that Academy Awards a kind of touchstone moment as defining, helping to define the year that just preceded it. You know what I mean? 
Um, they're never going to do it, I'm assuming. You know what I mean? Uh, a black and white movie that looks gorgeous um, with a guy that already has, uh, you know, an Academy Award and several more nominations is what they what they want to do. They live to to reward themselves again and again and again. Um, but it would be smart and relevant and important for them to to give Black Klansman this award, I think, personally. No, I agree. Uh, let's take a break, and we'll be right back with our discussion of movies that we haven't really discussed for the previous year. Yeah, all right. Welcome back. Something we wanted to do today on our... Last week, before we get started talking about our list again, was talk about some of the movies that we didn't get a chance to talk about in 2018 because they were in and out of theaters too quickly, or we just opted to watch something else instead of that movie. Um, Very much being the example of this first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I had many chances to go see this, and I just kind of decided to do homework and stuff. I just knew it was going to be on Amazon Prime. That too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it did. It came out. It didn't even... You didn't even I think I had to pay for Manchester by the Sea first. Before they put it on Prime, and they didn't do that with well, this, they didn't do that with Beautiful this, Boy. This made twelve million dollars off of twenty five million. So um, Beautiful Boy. So how you doing? I'm doing great. You know, just um, um, just doing what needs to be done. What does that mean? I'm sorry, Dad. Um, why don't we just have lunch and talk? We can do that, right? Mm. Please, you think that you have this under control. I understand why I do things. It doesn't make me any different. You're just embarrassed because I was like, you know, I was like this amazing thing, like your special creation or something, and you don't like who I am now. Yeah, who are you, Nick? This is me, Dad, here, this is who I am. This is not you. This is not you, Nick. What are you doing, huh? You always gotta be controlling everything all the time. Let me, let me book your room at a hotel for a couple of nights. I don't want it to go like this. Directed by Felix Van Groningen. It stars Timothy Chalamet as Nick Sheff, who gets addicted to methamphetamines. It stars Steve Carell as David Sheff, his father. Uh, the movie also stars um, Andre Royo, and it stars Maura Tierney, and it stars Amy Ryan. Um, you know, you've mentioned a couple of times that you don't have a lot to say about this movie. I don't really have a lot to say about this movie either, except that I was kind of interested to see what Timothy Chalamet's first big movie post "Call Me by Your Name" and he's good was. I think he's, I think he's really good. I think he really brings it. But I think yeah. one of the things that he does is that he plays to a, a, a lot of pre-established stereotypes about drug movies, mm-hmm. um, and he doesn't break that convention at all. I think he does them really well. Um, but he's not doing anything here that I don't think he did better in Call Me By Your Name. Um, I think Steve Carell is trying really hard, but I don't think he comes off super great in this movie either. This movie really... And, uh, on, uh, what was I just listening to? I was just listening to something. They were talking about how a certain director hates women in, in, their, in his movies, and like eventually he just like casts off like the women. Um uh, oh, M. Night Shyamalan. Oh. M. Night Shyamalan. Like how there's women in them and then eventually they just kind of disappear off the face of the earth. Um, 
I think this movie does I don't that know, too. Man. Bryce Dallas Howard's always popping up. <laughs> she did it for she did for two movies. Um, this movie does that too in the sense that Maura Tierney and Amy Ryan really don't get a lot to do. I mean, Maura Tierney gets that van chase, um, but she doesn't get to say anything or have any real emotions. And then when she does have an emotion, they pull the camera out of the car and play a pop song while they zoom out of the car placed compositionally perfectly on a you know california back road with you know the mountains behind it um this movie seems to do a lot of that stuff where it um you know it will hit a a sound emotional note and then it will play a pop song and do some really nice camera trickery and and show a nice beautiful picture um I mean, the scene when Timothy Chalamet ODs in that bathroom, like when he's trying to kill himself and tries yeah. to do you know, I want to see the B-roll stuff of that that shot because that's the most, you know, stereotypical bathroom heroin or overdose shot ever in the history of the world. B-roll, this felt like, a, my problem with this is it, it felt very paint by numbers all the way through. Like that Steve Carell performance, like we just talked about how much we loved him in Vice, but Steve Carell's not good, really, in this. He's just, he's doing everything you would expect. Well, the emotions are seem too raw for him yeah. to carry off, and yeah, yeah. he, um, so he just ends up kind of screaming, and then when he's not, and then, I guess, so the counterpoint to that is that when he's not, like, screaming or being really angry at Nick, he's not doing any like he keeps going to work and i guess you gotta live i mean i guess the point of it is that you have to live your life but i mean one of the comments i made um when i was watching it is that like why is there so much time like happening here like why couldn't they condense this into like you know after he had been recovered for a while um you know his relapse you know episode where you have a more condensed space to work in and you can have all the same emotions and you can convey the same story with some really good dialogue but instead they have this huge chunk chunk of time that's taken up with um kind of the same thing happening over and over and over again and i guess if you're trying to depict what being related to a drug addict is like then maybe that's necessary but i don't know if every single movie needs to accurately reflect the entire cycle of drug like every drug movie doesn't have to reflect the entire cycle of drug addiction you know what i mean no you could convey that stuff with other things um but they don't and so that's why this movie is just kind of um, like a missed opportunity and kind of confusing and like paid by numbers, I guess, is a, like a rote drug movie, which I'm not surprised. I didn't really expect that. Well, I, th- I, got, I mean, people I were kind be... of excited about it. Yeah. But then like the reviews came out and people were just like, oh, right. What does it have on Rotten Tomatoes? Like a 60 something percent? Ah, oh, something. It's something around that. Something very middling, and it's not bad because okay, there's. Gone to the next movie. But yeah. Um, it's not bad, but it's not. It didn't do any of the things that I think anybody thought. Yeah, it was people, do. people, I think, like Chalamet a lot in this. I mean, he got the Globe, the the Guild, the Screen Actors Guild, and the BAFTA nominations. Uh-huh. He's a big. People, I think it was a shock that he wasn't nominated for supporting actor and that Sam Rockwell kind of stuck in there. But mm-hmm. um, beyond that, people were just fine. And this movie is just fine. Yeah, agreed. Um, so the next one we want to talk, we didn't we talk about it because it came out before we started this podcast, didn't it? Um, I think it came out right as we were starting the podcast. Yeah, was uh, we had that we had that backlog of sorry to bother you and first reform to talk about. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Um, it's Deborah Granick's Leave No Trace. Mm-hmm. 
not a crime to be unhoused, but it's illegal to live on public land. We have found an option. Are we gonna be okay here? Still think our own thoughts. Keep pedaling. Look where you wanna go. School is about social skills, not just intellectual ones. I think it might be easier on us if we try to attack. Wearing their clothes, wearing their house, we're eating their food, we're doing their work. We have adapted. A movie that is a contemporary of Paddington 2 being the second most reviewed movie with 100% non tomatoes. There you go. Paddington 2 being the one with the most. You know why that is? Because of Hugh Grant. Because Paddington 2's a fucking miracle. I love that movie. <laughs> yeah, Paddington 2's all right. Um, you no trace. Paddington 2, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paddington's I gotta see Paddington. Of course I saw Paddington 2. How'd your kids like it? They lo- um, Actually, you know what? They're indifferent to it. Yeah, because that that's a real adult movie. They thought it was like good, and they thought it was fun. They thought Brendan Gleeson was really funny. But, oh, man. But other than that, they were just kind of like, no, it's okay. I've never even seen the first Paddington, but Paddington 2 is funny. They've seen, they're, they're, are, we've already pre-ordered Fantastic Beasts. Hugh Grant was my six. There you go. I thought he was going to be on your list, but I guess he well, wasn't. He's my six. Um, that's why it's stuck in there for... Uh, Visual effects is like I have nominated Padding to do for something. You have to. And the actually, visual effects were I'm really surprised good. I'm surprised it didn't. I'm surprised they put Christopher Robin in there for visual effects over Paddington too. That was weird. Nah. Let's not go back there. Um, Leave No Trace is the follow up to Granick's Winter's Bone, which Great movie. famously starred. You know, it was Jennifer Lawrence got an Oscar on her, her first, first Oscar, Oscar nomination. nomination. Um, this movie stars um, Ben Foster. Um, as a father who's living with uh, the effects of PTSD, and he has uh, got a daughter, a teenage daughter um, named Tom, played by Thomas and McKenzie, who we talked about um, a lot last week. Considering we both nominated her. We both right? nominated her, yep. Um, they live in the forest. Uh, oh, it's and it's adapted by Deborah Granick and Anne R- uh, Rossellini, based on the novel My Abandonment, or no, the book My, yeah, the novel My Abandonment by Peter Rock. Is a book I thought, is. Was it a short story or a book? It says novel here. Oh, all right. But it doesn't make any difference. Um, adapted from some piece of writing by Peter Rock. Um, they live in the woods. It's the only place that he feels comfortable. Um, eventually, they are found out that they're living in the woods, and they are taken into custody, and they are um, placed into... They get an opportunity to live in a house. Um, on a on Christmas a tree farm. farm. And uh, Tom, who has spent, I guess, the majority of her life living in this, you know, uh, nomadic fashion with her father, really starts taking to yeah, Tom's putting widowed. down roots. Tom, Tom's widowed, so she didn't know her mother. Mm-hmm. Um, I like this movie a lot. This is a good. It doesn't hit me though. It's it's like an intellectually really good movie. Mm-hmm. I guess. And Winter's Bone. It's kind of the same way, and I watched Winner's Bone. I really liked Jennifer Lawrence in that. I typically am not a huge fan of Jennifer Lawrence. Mm. But, like, Winner's Bone was the same thing where I intellectually really appreciated it. And maybe, like, Deborah Granite is kind of like that, where you intellectually kind of... And you kind of just have this knowing that you're watching something really well done. Um, but it just it doesn't hit you. Mm-hmm. And I think even, like, the emotional moments, no matter how well they're, they're done, like... Um, you know, when Tom kind of says the same thing that's wrong with you isn't wrong with me. Mm-hmm. You know, like in, in other movies with more like of a more emotive sense, that would be a punch. And this is just kind of like, oh, that's a good line. That's that's, that's good. Well, and she delivers it extremely well. I think she's the best thing about oh, this easily, movie. Yeah. I mean, I think it's one. I actually think 
some of the stuff that you said about Beautiful Boy, or that we said about Beautiful Boy, I think about this movie because I like it. I like it way more than I like Beautiful Boy, but I don't really like it that much. It actually didn't leave much of an impression on me. It doesn't other leave than an impression Thomas on and me. Mackenzie's performance. It doesn't leave much of an impression. I like Ben Foster in it. I don't think Ben Foster is doing nearly close to his best work. Oh yeah, I'm not sure. He's, he's a bit hammy. At just times. remember, he was supposed to when the the movie first came out, and after the first couple months of its release, the locks, the two locks for best actor nominations for the Academy Awards were Ethan Hawke and Ben Foster. Um, and then other things started happening, and that didn't, wasn't the case anymore. Um, but he's not really doing anything in this movie. I mean, no. I think Deborah Granick, to her credit, if you know Thomas McKenzie, I think is the all star here. If I had to pick a second all star from this movie, it's Deborah Granick in the sense that her fairly immaculate and and precise direction of this movie really props up a kind of like you said, paint by numbers. PTSD performance or representation, you know what, what I mean? I, what I think is the interesting thing here, and it's a very purposeful decision, is the fact that she so carefully frames every character in this movie as not an antagonist, yes. not a villain, um, that everyone has their reasons for doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, once Tom says, like, I can't go on with you, Will doesn't, he doesn't fight it. Mm-hmm. He accepts that. Everyone has their reason for existing. I mean, I guess the bad guy here would be the state. So, would be the not not even no because the state like is is trying to do the right thing. thing. Yeah, yeah. they gave him a home. They're they're trying to give him a foot up. I guess the bad guy here would be like the Obama and Bush administrations <laughs> for, the, for the lack of like supporting PTSD. I just say that because that's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny that Barack Obama put this on his like top fifteen list. That's like Barack guy. Come on. Yeah. Well. <laughs> It's funny. Um, yeah, well, in the sense, um, I think it's but there's of, no there's no actual bad guys in it, and and maybe in doing yeah. that, it kind of cuts the leg out of, of the emotional resonance that could be in Ben Foster's. Case. I think Ben Foster's comfortable when he has that sort of conflict, and there's no real true conflict of of man ver- of, of an outside external force. It's all internalized. Yeah, and it never gets to it never really gets to come out officially. Um, I, and I think that could be purposeful. That can be. Uh, there's a lot of shots of him obviously trying to keep something like that inside of himself. Like you know, he's trying very hard to keep that those emotions at bay. Um, but I think you're. I think you're right. Like it really kind of undercuts the drama of the film when you kind of know, like who's gonna. Who's going to stop this? Like, no one's just going to come shoot him. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're not going to chase him over state lines um, for taking his kid out of that house. They're probably not going to chase him in state lines for taking his kid out of that house. Um, it's all about his will to move beyond the trauma of what he's experienced. And I think the ending of the movie is essentially saying, like, he's not willing yet or ready, whether or not he'll ever be, to, to do that stuff. Um, and he lets her go, and she is willing to to start over in this new place. Um, My big problem with this movie, though, is is at times it feels a bit fantastical, and I think it presents kind of a incorrect image. As somebody who works in that social services kind of division, mm-hmm. there's a no way they would have so easily found a place to live. You Maybe know, in there's, the Pacific there's Northwest, there's more access to that stuff. No, there, there's, there's, there's not. Coming from 
near the Pacific Northwest. Well, I mean, one of the things I think, that I... I think it under I think at times it undercuts a big problem as a state of what is. I mean, that's kind of my problem with it is is it's really good, but it's really harmless and mm. it's tackling an issue that's not so harmless. Right, and that's problematic. And I don't know if it, like harmless matches the. Um, is the right word to describe what I, I want to, but I think it is, runs along those lines in the sense that I think the script takes great pains to not do anything too rash. Yeah. So you can actually kind of predict in some several instances what whoever is about to speak is going to say. So when Tom asked her father, like when they're on the train, like, why are we doing this? I literally said out loud, she's going to ask him why they're doing this at some point. And she, the, the next words out of her mouth are, why are we doing this? And then when... Um, Will falls down that little hill, and you know he hits his head, and or and he gets that massive, he gets that really bad, um, contu- that's that soft tissue bruise on his on his ankle. You know, um, that woman that takes them in um, says that there, like, there's people that in their camp that wouldn't kind of that, that wouldn't want that kind of trouble, like from the law. It's like, yeah, okay. There, you, you know, there's people holding up and they wouldn't want that kind of trouble. Like, there's not really necessary to, like, establish that this is that kind of movie because it kind of isn't. You know, at no point has, like, he brought the law down on him because of some dumbness of his of his own. You know what I mean? Um, there was this, it was an accident that they found them the first time. They're not bringing, they're not bringing trouble with them into the middle of the, <laughs> into the middle of the forest. Um... I don't know. That stuff seemed just kind of cliche and, and wrote. And I was, I thought this movie was, I thought better of this movie than than kind of hack, not hack stuff, but just easy stuff like that, easy emotional things like that. Yeah. Um. So the last movie we want to talk about is is the one I think we, I, at least I like the most. I like it. I liked it the most too. Um, this is a movie I think if I had seen it before may have popped up somewhere i'm not sure where i think it would popped up in my adapted screenplay uh-huh. i don't think i would have put any of the performances on it because i would have had to put all of them on it and then my supporting actor it would have just been blown up would have just been all of them maybe but that's just it would have been too much trouble um and i the only reason i think it might not have ended up on my top 10 is because i i think it's really complicated and i would like to live with it for a long time yeah same um one thing I definitely, I definitely. Well, what give. move? I think I would have given. Did we say what movie it is? Oh. Did we? <laughs> no, but talk to you guys next week. We'll be uh, back to the list. <laughs> um, this is Sisters Brothers. Hey, this is the Sisters Brothers. You don't stand a chance. Charlie, huh? We've had a good long run. We need to get out. We could open the store together. A store? This is nonsense. Walk in the front door and finish the job. All right. You're not going to like what comes next. The uh, Jacques Adar Ad- film. film. Uh, he had previously uh, directed Rust and Bone and uh, The Beat That the Heart Skips. Um, he was nominated for, I think, the BAFTA for Rust and Bone. Mm-hmm. And by I think, I'm looking at it right now. Um, it is a Western about two Hitman brothers, the sister brothers, played by John C. Riley and 
I like how I'm staring at you intensely while saying this. And Joaquin Phoenix, um, who are tasked by Rugger Howard, pl- playing a role where he has no lines. But he gets if... fifth credit. Yeah. He gets fifth build. It says, you know, it says uh, with, with the participation of Rugger Howard. And it's like, we, no, why, why did you put Rugger Howard in this? I, I think he just really wanted to work with Rugger Howard. Yeah. He's a big fan of Lady Hawk. Maybe. And was like, oh, I need Rugger Howard in this movie. Or was that a Rugger Howard movie where he has a collar around his neck and he escapes from prison? And like if you like you leave the prison, your head explodes. Oh, point. I don't know. Like, no escape, maybe. Um, but they are tasked by the Commodore, played by Rugger Howard, as we've talked about, to kill Riz Amin's uh, Warm, who is a chemist who's come up with a new formula to discover gold. Um, when uh, he pours like a chemical into chemical the water fluid, and it yeah. makes oh, a well, gold. not panhandling, but a uh, gold panning. What's it called? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Prospecting. Panning, prospecting. Um, Warm is also pursued by John Morris played by Jake Gyllenhaal, also in the employ of the Commodore. Uh, it is a pursuit film. Uh, eventually, Morris sides with Warm. Well, it's a pursuit film for a while, for and then it stops. The first, like, two-thirds, and then it becomes... And then the last third is, like, half, pers- half pursuit at the end, and then half something really interesting. And like, it makes, a really it interesting makes movie. makes such a clever choice in the fact that I was so utterly convinced that Charlie was going to kill Morris at some point. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I guess he kind of does. He gives Morris the means to kill himself. But I thought for sure that, you know, as they get introduced to it, eventually, you know, his desire, Charlie's desire to become the new Commodore, to be in the good graces mm-hmm. part of his position, would lead to that sort of tension between him and Eli, and it doesn't take that direction. No. Um, which I thought was smart. This is a really smart film. Yeah, it, I, it's clever. It, like we said, it, it sits with you. It takes some. It takes like a half. Hour. It's like it's two hours. Um, maybe uh, two. You know, go, two and change or something. A little, little touch over two. Um, a little little it splash. Takes twenty minutes. Maybe it took me twenty minutes for me to kind of steady itself. I think it's funny because I think the score helps and hurts this movie simultaneously. I think Alexander Desplat. Um, who I so don't. I love. Yeah, I'm not a big fan, of, but I love the score. I so think- I like parts of the store, but there's a couple of themes. There's one theme in particular that I think doesn't work, and it kind of takes me out of the movie every time it plays. And it's the one. It's got kind of like a bouncing piano melody, um, and there's a kind of atonal string sound going behind it. But the thing that goes on with that score is like an actual drum beat. Like remember mm. the part of Suspiria where like that Tom York like. <laughs> Yeah, like when yeah. the witches are all talking and they're kind of like, well, this is weird because this is just like music playing in the background of a movie. It seems like it doesn't seem like it's a score working with itself. Those times for me seemed like the score was not working with the movie. It seemed like it was kind of working against the movie. It was trying to establish a kind of um, present day irony almost on top of it, which I don't think is what he was going for. You know what I mean? Like I think he was kind of trying to establish like a, I think he meant to establish an ominous kind of traveling song, maybe a, a new kind of traveling song to go with a new kind of Western, and it just didn't work for me. Um, but I think all the other stuff he did works really well. It's kind of like when we talked about Hell or High Water with that Nick Cave score. There was like some parts of the Nick Cave score that work really well and then other parts that don't work as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was like that. But I took me it took me a while to get into... The movie, and then, but then when I was into it, I, you know, kind of couldn't pull myself out of it. Like even when it got gross, and 
um, like a, a little intense um, or gratuitous in some ways um, or confusing in other ways. Um, I was I was just kind of right there in it. Uh, I actually didn't really like Joaquin Phoenix's performance for a while. Yeah, and then I got into while. that yeah. also. I mean, John C. Riley. I think John C. Riley is incredibly solid here. There was early discussion after this came out of him being an actor contender, and I can see that. I think all the performances in this are incredibly solid. I mean, I don't know who. I mean, if we have to pick a favorite, mine's Jake. I think Jake Gyllenhaal is yeah really wonderful in this uh, movie. Next to Rugger Howard. Um, <laughs> no, next to Carol Kane. I don't know how she made her well, eyes got, go in different directions. I like got that. so excited to see Carol Kane in this. Carol Kane and Allison Tolman made me excited. I saw Carol Kane's li- name on like um, something like when I was looking it up. When I went to buy it on Amazon, I think it said Carol Kane. And I was like, Carol Kane? Oh, see, I didn't know what Carol Kane was in it. So I heard that voice. I was like, who is that? And I was like, wait a minute. Well, I Carol didn't Kane. know who, where she, who she was going to be. I just saw Carol Kane. And I was like, oh, man. Um, where does this come in? But yeah, this... I, th- I think this could have been in contention for my direction, just because, you know, I still haven't seen a profit necessarily, but mm-hmm. I haven't seen it either. Um, these performances are, are are done so incredibly well, and there's there's such a great growth to the characters. That's a natural growth mm-hmm. um, beyond the screenwriting. Yeah, and, and yeah, that's the thing. I, I think you, there, there's a bit of a stiltedness to the Charlie performance, that that Joaquin Phoenix performance early on, that eventually grows into its own, and by the end, you. Well, it's not only is it stiltedness, or is it uh, uh, is it almost like he's playing to like a, a walking Phoenix stereotype? Yeah, no, exactly. And um, he's like, "I'm just going to be crazy and, and see." And, and I thought I thought at first this was oh, sorry, good. No, no, it's, I go ahead because I'm just going to stumble over a couple of words. I figured it was going to be walking is kind of sleepwalking himself through a paycheck at first, mm-hmm. and then it kind of develops into like this real, true. Um, well, when did that happen for you? Do you know? When you kind of recognize that he was turning would, into something else, I'd say around that Mayfield scene is where that kind of really mm-hmm. hits me. Uh, there, there's a bit of a more profound goofiness to it, uh-huh. um, but there's a nice ebb and flow to it, especially like when he sobers up yeah. during like that ensuing gunfight against who I thought was a Michael Shannon cameo, but it wasn't. Oh, that would have been great. It looked at that guy, yeah, that did. one hitman looked. I was like, is that Michael Shannon just doing like a cameo? Yeah. Um, and then after that, he just wasn't doing a typical Joaquin Phoenix. Which we never really expect it. You always expect a little bit of something from Joaquin Phoenix. But like this is, um, it's it's very different. There, there's a, a, there's something, there's a knowingness in a lot of Joaquin Phoenix's performances. A, a kind of that he's a, 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 meta, a meta clarity to his characters, I guess, where he's kind of like a knowingness that he's in a film. <clears throat> and I also think. Gold Star. I also think that he thinks he understands this movie more than everybody else does. Yeah. Um, and I think and that's that what I was on play here, too, in the beginning, that. is that he thought... Which plays 100% into the character. Right. And then as he kind of... And so for me, it was the San Francisco scene when they were at dinner. And it's like just some of the, like his reactions and, and faces and like the way that... Like the cadence of that conversation... I was like, oh man, there's like a this is getting kind of level to his performance at times. Like, at times, and then how it, animated his face gets. And then it's, I mean, I and so we can talk about he gets like that double chin, like it's a, lean back it's, going. And maybe this is one of the things that we as as film 
goers. I thought you were going to say as film aficionados. As like, film, we did it. We did it. <laughs> as film experts, that um, we want out of our out of our directors, like that knowing auteurness, which a movie like this. And, or a movie like You Never Really Hear, like not to just bring this right back to another Walking Phoenix movie, shows. So in the sense that like it's something that could be overlooked because it only happens like three or four times. But Walking Phoenix cries on a couple of occasions and he's always covering his face. Yeah. And there's I think the San Francisco scene when they're sitting at that dinner is kind of typi- typifies why he covers his face because he's always trying to ho- like hold and we find out later like you know when John C Riley's talking to Riz Ahmed um why he might be like hiding like covering he you know he was never the same after he killed his father like he's grappling with a lot of unchecked emotions that he's never going to check and he's his goal is always to hold them in as long as humanly possible and so it's when John C Riley calls him a drunk that he like he gets up you know, out of the chair in that super fancy restaurant and like slaps him in the face because their dad was a drunk and Joaquin Phoenix fucking killed him yeah. because he was a drunk. Um, and all the, th- you know, obviously whatever else that brings up, I'm assuming, you know, child abuse and wife abuse and all that other stuff. Um, but those are really, and that's something that happened, I think in widows a lot and that it's these really subtle gradations of character that, at some point lead to a new character. You know what I mean? Exactly. And then, you know, so when he gets his arm cut off and he's crying and he can't cover his face with his arm um, and then he can't shoot his... and he's trying to shoot his gun. You know what I mean? He hears the gunfight going on outside which John C. Riley wins but he's, you know, he goes to pull his gun but he doesn't have his arm. Um, there's... There's all that... That change in character has all this scaffolding on top of it which makes... You know those end scenes when they're being hunted, um, all that more like profound, um, and, just and it never... makes this, and it makes sorry real quick, and then it makes yeah. it makes those scenes when they're like hunting for gold when they've joined Morris and Warm at their camp and they're, they're helping them prospect and stuff and and to you know give money to their like you know utopian or colony in in the Dallas Thomas Morian society. Um, yeah, that's funny. Um, you know, there's a real change there, and it's significant, and it's real. You know what I mean? It's not one of those things where it's like now you, now your character changes, and then they're like, oh, I'm a different character. It's yeah, because like they've you built never, it up. You never also see that turn. I think even, you know, up, you know, Charlie's gonna fuck it up somehow, and you you kind of expect Charlie to kind of stay in that same mode, but then when he just fucks it up by just being over ambitious. And showing that he's not the mature one of the two, you know, and yeah. ends up killing Morris and Warm, basically. Well, it's a um, lot of, I mean, it's a lot of... there, And that that's when I saw that, I was like, right, that yeah. makes so much more sense for the, this character's trajectory. There's a lot of echoes, and they have nothing to do with each other in terms of their creation, but, I'm, you know, as a... As a wa- with the accidental tourist? No, with the accidental tourist, yeah. Gina Davis just... There was a dream sequence. There a was really a dream sequence. There's, a, there's some in, sequence, impressionistic yeah. moments in this. Yeah. Um, where he gets really offended during the San Francisco scene that John C. Riley wants to stop, you know, being a hired gun and wants to open a store and, you know, wants to, you know, keep the sisters' brothers alive, but a as, as proprietors. Yeah. 
Um, he's like, oh, come. I will, I will see you every time I come home and I need a shirt or some, <laughs> some other thing. Um, where he thinks that all he can, because he killed his dad, which we find out later, we, we don't know at the time, um, he thinks it's all he can do. It's his whole life. You know what I mean? His whole life is killing people. And he's really good at it, and he doesn't really care about it, and there's a really good reason all the time that he needs to kill whoever he needs to kill. Um, and then he sees that this gold thing works, and he kind of... And he just has that conversation with Jake Gyllenhaal when Jake Gyllenhaal's floating in the water about, like, do you believe in this, you know, perfect society thing? Um and you can see for a second that, like, he does. And you, and then, then John C. Riley cuts his hair. And they talk about, like, oh, you want to be the Commodore. But then there's that lingering shot on his face where he's like, I don't... You can almost kind of tell when you link up, link it up afterwards. Like, he's thinking, like, he doesn't he doesn't know if he wants to be the... He, maybe he wants to be the Commodore in the sense that he doesn't have to worry about this stuff anymore. But now... But he doesn't know if he wants to be the Commodore in the sense that he wants to send people out to kill other people all the time. Um, and when this gold, when the thing, when the chemical works, he sees a new way. And then it's, th- the color starts to go away. And then he just, <laughs> then he just kills everybody by dumping in all of that chemical into the, into the, into the water. And it's, it reminds me, it has echoes of that, you know, the Daniel Kaluuya moment in Widows where he's like, you know, this horribly cruel thug for the whole movie. And then he's like. Okay, and he's listening to the radio, and he's like, "Yeah, I could, I could, I could see a way out of this." You know what I mean? But what's different about that and clever is like where that ends. You know that Jatem uh, ends with just his death, and like with him not being able to get out of it. They use Eli to kind of show, you know, somebody who who initially wasn't who was okay at, at gunslinging in comparison to Charlie and okay, not great at being a leader mm-hmm. who then be, you know, does the prospecting thing extremely well and becomes a leader and becomes the gun. Yeah. When, when Charlie can't be, and that ends up being, you know, where Charlie fucked up in, in the prospecting thing, in, in the thing of escaping, you know, it, it's, it's that nice turn of Eli wanting to be the leader and, and becoming the leader. And then Charlie seeing that, you know, I might be a fuck up still, and I might this might be have been my life up to this point, but there's an out still because mm-hmm. if Eli can do it, there's there's something for me, you know, and, and like that kind of great scene of just coming home where it kind of like that is a great cut scene. scenes around. It's it's kind of like a it's a, you don't want to say a rebirth, but that's you know a resettling of of ideas and like becoming different people what they can be. Mm. Um, you know, seeing the fact that Commodore had died and nobody gives a shit. He punched that dead guy in the face. I thought for, I thought he was gonna shoot him. I did too. Um, I like that. I like that guy's hipster beard. That was nice. Yeah, that was Stanton, like the Undertaker or whatever. Also, can we talk about how like Jake Gyllenhaal and Riz Ahmed should just keep doing movies together? I mean, I think Riz Ahmed was really kind of a. It was a fascinating performance. I think, especially that John C. Riley conversation where he just kind of stops, like to think, and like I think a different movie like they don't give him time to just sit there and. And ponder what John C. Riley just said to him, I mean, and I think, I think then ask, this, "Do you regret it?" I think this and, and Nightcrawler are really good at. And Nightcrawler being a movie that just missed my top hundred, mm. um, being really good at kind of giving risen me. That guy, that man can act with like his face so incredibly. Yeah, he's well. really, and, like, really good. There's a lot of depth. He's he's a vocally a good actor. Vocally, he's a little like smooth and soft. Um, but in terms of his 
facial reaction. It, it feels like he lives the character physically. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I don't know. I don't know. It, I'm really not sure what Audiard was attempting to do with the Jake Gyllenhaal performance, but I think it's really. So maybe it's all Jake Gyllenhaal's fault in the I mean, sense I think that he's, he's. I think that Moore's character is kind of like a catalyst for for. Everything. But I don't. But I think he has a catalyst. But I also think. I'm, I want to heap some praise on top of Jake Gyllenhaal, who had a really kind of amazing year, subtly in Wildlife and this, um, in the sense that as soon as he opens his mouth, you can kind of tell what kind of person he is, and he is that person throughout the whole movie, and it's it's really. You know, he's got a little bit of an accent, and he's got a little bit of, uh, you know, a specific way of speaking that, you know, helps to define his character, I guess. Um, But it matches so well, I wonder what, like, it said in the script in terms of, or what Audiard thought he wanted that character to be. Like, was Jake Gyllenhaal giving him something completely different, or was he giving him what he thought he was going to get? Um I tend to think it's the latter. I think it's Jake Gyllenhaal kind of surprised everyone because I think it's a really beautiful performance um, by a guy who I think is good but who is sometimes capable of really... Su- I don't know. Every time Jake Gyllenhaal's amazing, I'm surprised by it. Are you really? I think so because I think he's normally good. I like him, but I'm not ever like overwhelmed by his acting. I mean... He said like four performances he hasn't been nominated for that people are like what? But I, I he's probably my favorite younger younger I guess actor. Yeah, right maybe now. he's mine now too. But um, based off these two these two things, but plays, these two things seem so different. Well, he plays so well off his his directors. Mm. That's why I think there's not there's kind of a Gyllenhaal thing you expect, but he. He's definitely willing to kind of transition to what he's doing with each performance. Mm-hmm. You know, like acting differently with David Gordon Green than he does with, um, you know, uh, the, 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 the Gilroy. Mm. You know, there's 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 differences. I mean, I'm really looking forward to next week's Velvet, Velvet Buzzsaw. Yeah. You know, just because, well, one thing I love, Nightcrawler. Right. Yeah. Um, but... He blends in well, like him in Prisoners, you know, doing something like that as Villain Way. He well, d- yeah. does something slightly different with what the film requires. Absolutely, but Prisoners is, I think, different. I mean, I don't like Nightcrawler, um, so I'm appreciative. Yeah, I mean, mean, you are very... <laughs> appreciative that you didn't put that on your list so I didn't have to sit through it again. Um, but I would rather watch Jake Gyllenhaal do this type of stuff than I would to see him disappear into, like... Something like Nightcrawler, or whatever we're going to get out of Velvet Buzzsaw, or, you know, um, Southpaw. I really think Velvet Buzzsaw is going to be funnier than people are expecting. It's my gut feeling. I think it's going to be a comedy. Are people not expecting it to be? But isn't Nightcrawler supposed to be kind of a comedy also? Very darkly, yeah. Um, But no, I think think this is going to be goofier than people expect. This is my... It's called Velvet Buzzsaw, so yeah, I'm assuming it's going to be pretty goofy. Um, Yeah, I I don't know where this would fall on my talking about it has actually probably transferred you know Robert Elswit is doing the cinematography on Velvet Buzzle really yeah God, Netflix is just sc- <laughs> scooping them all up <laughs> spending so much Jesus money. Christ um, I saw like how John Malkovich is now just like Netflix's guy he doesn't give a shit anymore no he just wants to he just wants to eat um so he'll do anything he's, he's he's the only good thing about that shitty fucking movie what 
not going to mention its name, but the last Netflix movie J- <laughs> that uh, John Malkovich was in. What, what Netflix movie was that? That one with Sandra Bullock. Oh, we're, yeah, yeah. No, we're not going to talk about that. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't know where this would fall on my list. I don't know if it would push Mandy out. It probably wouldn't. It, yeah, I don't know. If I don't anything, know if it would be my, my number. 10. If anything, it would be my 10. But it's a but it's a grower. Yeah, it's it's, it's definitely something I'm glad I bought because I can watch it again. I don't know. I don't know if it knocks out Mission Impossible. I did think I'm going to need weeks or, or a while with this. I'm going to need a couple more viewings with this. Yeah, we're going to need to have some more conversation. We're going to need to tell some more people about it so we can have some more conversations and have. Oh, well, this is this is definitely a movie we tell JP about. We tell JP to watch, and then we get together at Eli's and. Or Archie Moore's and discuss it over some yeah, wings. Ar- Archie Moore's are, uh, are or South Side Street. Side Street. Discuss it over some wings for sure. We'll record, we'll record that posted bonus episode. Um, <laughs> that's uh, that's all we got. Um, we'll return with our lists next week um, and uh, discuss maybe our upcoming movies that we're looking forward to in 2019. Mm-hmm. I'll have to look up Claire Denis making an English language film. That's fun. There's several more Marvel movies coming out. I've heard. I think there's. I don't know. Jake, speaking of Jake Gyllenhaal, he's playing the villain in one of them. I'm so tired. <laughs> These Marvel movies. They're not going to slow down, my friend. Oh, man. Every time they open... Oh, the... there's, there is three. I forgot about uh, the Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel, yeah. And, Captain oh, my Marvel, God. Spider-Man Far From You know what's going to be my number one Endgame. movie I'm looking forward to in 2019? Shazam. <laughs> Shazam could be fun. No, I can't take it anymore. I can't take <laughs> any more DC movies. <laughs> Um, Did you see Aquaman? No. Okay, good. <laughs> There's no way I'm gonna go see Aquaman. Until someone's until someone's paying me to go see Aquaman, Mario, I'm not seeing Aquaman. I didn't know if one of your kids demanded. So that no, see so me and, and my little guy have a deal. So when he turns ten, because he loves fighting, so we're trying to shield him from as much fighting as humanly possible because he thinks fighting's like the best thing ever. Um, when he turns ten, we're watching all the Star Wars movies and all the Marvel movies. So something I've never included in this list, Mario, is any DC movie at all. When he gets older, a little older, he can start watching the Batman movies because they're too dark for a 10-year-old. Marvel, Star Wars, that's it. No DC. (laughs) Ever. If you have a problem with that, you can email us at pivotalfilmpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can visit our Twitter and tweet at us at twitter.com slash filmpivotal. I've been a little more active on that. Or you can go to pivotalfilm.com and see the list of the movies. You can't go to Instagram anymore, right? You can't go to Instagram and you can't go to Tumblr either because I figured out how to do it on our website. So we'll just send people to the one thing. Nice. And we will start with... uh, I think maybe this year we're going to start with uh, some some essays on films for 2019. I have th- I got time. For I this. have three things like in very rough like idea form that I just don't ever have time to work. <laughs> ever have time to work on, but it's things that we left off the. It's always things that we left on the table, like when we had uh, we had conversations. Um, but you can go to pivotalfilm.com and see a list of the beers that we drank and list of the movies on our list and links to where you can subscribe. And um, I put the list of our um, best of 2018s is up there now. Um, and Did we put our top 10 Joe Johnston films on there yet? No, we didn't. No. 
It's drinking buddies, and I think then uh, into the Spider Verse. No, into the Spider Verse, and then drinking buddies. There you go. For Joe Johnston, you're thinking of. You're thinking of uh, what's his, you're you're thinking of what's his name? Oh, Josh John. You're thinking of that actor. I forgot his name. I'm thinking of Joe Johnston, director of Jurassic Park three and October Sky. Why? <laughs> Why are you thinking about him? I don't know. Shit like this pops in my head. Things, things like this uh, pop in your head. No. Oh, well, they should. October Sky. He was talking about Jake Gyllenhaal earlier. He was in that movie. Oh, I know he was. That was about a wagon, wasn't it? No, it's about a guy trying to launch a rocket into the Out of guy. a wagon, though. Wasn't there a wagon? Was there? Was there? I don't remember. Was it that? Was it August Rush? Remember August Rush? That Robin Williams movie? It was like an orchestra oh, movie? That. Yeah. That's a, that's a different month. That's not... That's yeah, it's different. We should do our top... Uh, we should... Actually, like, I'm not joking. I actually once thought about our the 10 films, rep- the 12 films representing each month and what our favorite movie is of each. We have to do it. I don't. I don't want to. No, we're going to do it. On a slow week, we're going to spend the whole week preceding the episode on the internet and figuring out how this works. There you go. And then and that'll be our A we, block. We could, we could just create clickbait lists for our website. That, that's how we're going to get we're gonna get famous with clickbait lists. Yes. Um, but in, until then, uh, go see a movie, drink a beer, and we'll talk to you next week. Talk to you next week.